It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. Joining me today is Debu Chatterjee, founder and CEO of DX Continuum. It's a predictive analytics platform designed to increase the efficiency and effectiveness of your sales efforts. So, Debu, welcome to Accelerate. Thank you, Andy, for inviting me. I'm looking forward to talk to your audience through this medium. So, um, just take a minute, introduce yourself. You know, how'd you get your start in business? How'd you get your start? I mean, did you come up through a sales background, or how did you? How'd you get to the point where you? We'll start. I'll take it to the point where you founded the company. Yes, uh, that's a, a very interesting journey for me. I have not been with a uh, with sales organization before, uh, assuming the role of uh, um, general manager of a business unit in FICO, which mm-hmm. was my last company before I started this particular st- um, you know gig. Now, at uh, when I was running the business unit, I used to see. Uh, sales predictions coming through my way because I had an indirect responsibility for revenue. And I would see things like, you know, third stage or five stage funnel, 70% probability of closing the deal, a million dollar deal, 700K of expected revenue. And that's uh, that would never materialize or would sometimes materialize, as I would say, put it. And while we were working on catching bad doctors and bad dentists and bad pharmacists through healthcare insurance records, you know, it was, it puzzled me why we couldn't do it in a better way. And that was the genesis of me uh, starting up with a bunch of our friends who are deep enterprise software uh, um, folks, mm-hmm. experienced folks. Uh, and we started off trying to find out a better way of actually helping the sales people with software and technology that can move their funnel much faster than they are doing today. That's pretty much where the story begins. And today, of course, we have demonstrated it and we have a reasonable set of customers who are benefiting from data and software driving their sales process. So when you say driving the sales process, what 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 does it actually drive? I mean, so I mean, data data is incredible. Big data does lots. You can learn uh, that are great indicators. But now we seem to be, from a technology standpoint, moving from data as indicators to data as predictors. And as given sort of the the human to human role of, of of sales, how predictive can you really be? So what's happens uh, today in real li- in the real process is most folks have an intuitive way of trying to understand which opportunities or leads in the funnel would actually close, and that may be driven of the experience, which is like you know certain companies or certain sizes or certain number of employees in certain geography uh, are probably good targets I should be talking to because I had had past success with those companies. And then when they are in the funnel, I'm actually working through them. I'm going through my process of presenting the collateral, doing my demo, working through the budget and need and all. And typically there is a sales cycle and 
um, a winning opportunity will move through those stages in a certain cadence. Uh, you are act every salesperson as they work through it. They are normally uh, encoding it in some form when they're using a CRM system or a marketing system, and the footprints and the, are left behind. So it is that uh, experience which is used by experienced sales folks to actually identify which are the best op, uh, things they should pursue because time is of essence for any salesperson. They do not want to waste their time on things which is not going to materialize down the road. And we as software engineers can now take the same data and to provide them the ability to see that in real numbers and real visualize, visualize the same path. That allows them to actually focus on the ones which are really, really good or are moving in the right cadence and cut their losses faster and in, in the process, increase the sales velocity of the funnel. Okay, so there's a lot in there, sir, to, to unpack yes. and, and talk about. So um, so what you're doing is, is are you building that, that uh, set of predictive analytics based on uh, – you know, the company's own data that they've gathered from the past, and you said their digital footprints through their CRM systems and so on, and their marketing systems. Um, so does it, how, does it, how does it help the person who's maybe not the A player? So you know, the cadences and so on that you see that are sort of predictive, I presume they're really based out of sort of, if you take sort of the typical 80-20 distribution of salespeople, okay. you, know, you got the top 20%. It's, it's really... Is the danger that you're you're based on predictives based or predictions based on the performance of the top people that doesn't really relate to the bulk of the people that are in the organization? So um, let's take a uh, case of a, of a new employee who has just joined the organization. Uh, the sales uh, training material will be presented to the sales sales person. The person will actually go through the process of learning how the current process works and will be presented with the territory and maybe certain opportunities are in the funnel. Now, uh, given with no other additional aid to the person, the person would actually try to understand what works well by uh, you know, making some trials and errors. And finally, you know, over a six to nine month period, they would be they would become productive. Well, now, hope, with, hopefully, hopefully they learn by watching what other people are doing, the top performers and so on. Exactly. So one way is to, you know, be with the top performer and work in the, with the top performer to understand how, how the, the product work is sold or services sold in that organization. The top performer may or may not have time for the for this new route. Today, with the, with the same, uh, with the R software, taking that information from the history of the top performers winning deals, uh, we can now provide that, the same information in the, the CRM to this new user and prioritize the work effort for the uh, uh, sales representative. And that is extremely valuable. It would cut down the onboarding time of a new sales rep almost by half. And it, most likely, he, the person will be productive in the very same quarter in which he, is, he or she has been hired. Interesting. I mean, that I mean, is the power of the, uh, of the data which you already have in your first-party uh, uh, repositories. Right. So what you're saying is, is, so the power of predictive analytics in this case, is what we're talking about, is, is really modeling the, 
the behaviors of the top performers and making those available as guides to everybody else. Right. What I call them is basically learning from the wisdom of the crowd and the best people. And that's done systematically and programmatically now. So what salespeople did not really have was something of a notion of a sales tech stack. Really, you know, marketing and other people have been using some of the information before from data-based analysis to drive uh, the engagement of prospects and understanding which prospects have to, can now be brought into the funnel for being, so, uh, being sold to. But salespeople really lacked as the ability for using technology and data to help them close these deals faster. And today, it can be us, it can be another company, but really a predator is a key component of the sales tech stack, along with a few other things. And we believe this will be the most enabling technology for companies to be both strategic and tactical when they're trying to meet the numbers. Yeah, I mean, from the tactical standpoint, you bring an interesting example up about... Um like being able to predict the price point at which the client is most likely to close a deal. Yes. Um, so how do, how, how do you do that? Okay. Again, uh, so, you know, remember one of the examples where I came from, right? You are expecting a, a million dollar deal to close at 700K and because 70 is the probability of closing. Now that we are looking at it is not all million dollar deals are going to close at a million dollar, which is the typically the price entered in as a, the potential value of the opportunity. Depending on what discounts are being offered or how that is being negotiated, the deal can close at 600K, 650K, 750K, 800K. The funny thing is, all that information today exists in your CRM. Now, if you and you, many, many a times, you will actually go through a deal desk to get a kind of you know pre-approval for your negotiated price, mm-hmm. but think about the system actually providing the information upfront, right? If I know that a particular deal mix worth a million dollars, actually the most likely number it is going to close at a 775k plus minus something, right? You you you, act, you cut down the you know the pre-approval process. You are now, if you can get a price between 775k and million, you are actually doing really really well when when you're negotiating. And, you, and the sales rep is, is armed with information about how typical deals have closed. And that's a big, powerful information to have. It's almost like a, you know having a, 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 a oh, I would say, uh, ability to have information which is over and above the customer's information. And you can use that powerful information to negotiate powerfully. Now that is all, and that is almost like you know an op- uh, manufacturing operations process, right? You typically try to find out where your biggest logjam is. People spend so much money on CPQ processes, trying just to find out the right price code. Some of the information actually exists in your in, in your data. We help you unearth that, and we cut down the biggest pain point which they have in a sales process and reduce the time you need to close down the deal. So what you're really talking about? Very is- very powerful. Right. So the uses could be is that that even earlier in a deal that a sales rep will understand how similar deals typically closed within a certain range of pricing. Um, exactly. Now it seems like little dangerous there with that information somewhat in that you know it has to be used to make sure that you're not just uh, defaulting to the to the lower end of the price range. 
just to get the deal because that could you know erode margins. But um, it does it does help you upfront from certainly from a qualification standpoint. And it's actually not the lowest point of the margin because uh, when the prediction happens, it is not the price at which the last deal closed or the deal, uh, it is price at which potentially this deal should this is the best price a deal should close or the price above this is most likely to close at, which is which is actually a number which is better than the 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 most discounted price you ever have given on the deal. Oh yeah, no, I understand, but I'm assuming that when the sales rep gets yeah. a range, it's a range of acceptable prices to the to the management yeah. of the company, as opposed to this is the range of where the deal's closed. Um, so even within that range, yeah, you just as a manager, if you have that, you just still have to be careful that you don't uh, don't abandon your checks and balances, so the reps always sell to the low end of that acceptable range. True. Um, so. Yeah, I like that because again, that's an interesting tool to be able to use for. That's that for qualification. If if uh, you've got somebody that's a seems to fit your your criteria for being a targeted prospect and account you want to sell into, but you've got some disconnect on price and the probability of the deal closing within a certain range and they're not there, then yeah, perhaps it's time to work on somebody else. Yeah. So this is what we call, you know, the fact that today's big data has actually left the theoretical world and has entered the realm of something which is business problem, business outcomes. The And the int- very interesting thing is it's exactly the same data, it's the same data which you have in your install base, you have the data in your CRM systems, you have it in your marketing repositories. The same set of data is going to be used to, to help you at different parts of your sales process from acquisition to customer expansion, to customer retention. And it is extremely powerful. So that's the sales tech stack which needs to become a part of the DNA of a sales process. So it's not, the process is good. The process allows uh, you know, a, a set of discipline to be uh, you know, inculcated into the organization. And the data backs up and allows this, the process to become much more effective. Because it really reduces or takes away inefficiencies in this in this process in the pipeline, which which, has, which may have multiple uh, you know places where there is a bottleneck or a jam, log jam. Well, yeah, it seems to me like where the efficiency really enters. So if we you know talk about a difference between efficiency and effectiveness, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean efficiency. You know, I talk about knowing it's knowing what to do and effectiveness is doing it well. Is um, yes. Is that the efficiency with the data becomes more prescriptive to a certain degree, a little more directed. That so true. So when you're at any particular point in your your process, if you say, okay, well, this is this is what the the analytics are going to show me about what typically happens in the past, then you know there's less of this as you talked about, sort of bottleneck in the pipeline, wondering, okay, what's the next step that we should be taking, or what. What are we pointing toward in terms of particular outcome? Because yeah, we sort of know. And we have discovered this for some of our customers. So in fact, I'll give you an example of a customer where uh, uh, we analyzed the sales and marketing data, and we could figure out that depending on the kind of personas you have, whether you're an influencer or a buyer, the set of sequence of digital assets you want to present the persona with are different, and the order in which you should be doing it is different. 
And in some cases, you really do, if you are, for example, presenting or doing a demo, you probably would want to do a demo at a certain stage. And you, if your demo has been done to an influencer, you don't want to do the same demo or something else to a, to a, to a, to a buyer because it may actually affect your buying process. And those are the kind of in, um, uh, prescriptive uh, actions which can come out of the fact that you understand now more of what you have done successfully and what you have not done successfully and use that to improve the efficiency of your system, of your sales process in place. And it's all about conversion. It's all about using the time effectively. Yeah, it raises an interesting question, which we'll, I want to talk about when we come back. We're going to take a short break. And that question sure. is... is whether whether there's a possibility of the predictive analytics are stifling innovation in your process. Um, and I'll explain what I mean when I get back. Uh, with my guest today, David Chatterjee from DX Continuum, I had a great talk about predictive analytics and its use in sales, and we'll be right back to talk more of it. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. So welcome back with my guest, David Chatterjee from DX Continuum. We were talking about the power of predictive analytics and sales. And and so we have the question I had before the break was whether the predictive analytics have the danger of maybe stifling some innovation in in the sales process because it's, it's based on the accumulation of data and what's happened in the past. And But what if, what if you were just fundamentally wrong in one of those dimensions and it happened i've seen it lots of times where companies you know they they may have been successful to a certain degree but their ability to achieve a breakthrough really depends on on heading on a path that's sort of orthogonal to what they're doing now um so are they constrained then by by the the predictive analytics or how do you how do they use those analytics to help them forecast really where they should you know where they should be taking their process and i said maybe at 90 degrees to where they are now so you actually um, asked me a question which allows me to tell, to, uh, tell the audience what how the name came about. So DX Continuum, the very word DX Continuum stands for the two things. D is the Latin word for 500. So we do want to give our customers 500 times return uh, continuously. And the, and the very fact that Continuum is in the name is the is answers the question you just asked. Ah, see, so, and I, it wasn't so even a setup. I did that honestly. Yes, you, and I'm so glad you asked me this question because that's where the IP or the product and the platform exists. So what has happened today is the way the predictive analytics is used is people go and build a model and the data changes and you have not been able to keep it up to date. Now, when you asked about innovation and the, in the process, right, or in the sales area, mm-hmm. that innovation and also new products being introduced, a new geography has been introduced or whatever it is, uh, how the sales process actually doesn't change overnight, right? It typically changes over a period of time, and there's a slow morphing process. Even innovation comes in, the innovation will uh, will be. So our product is built the, the way that that's the way the continuum comes in. 
every quarter when new data comes in around your sales uh, wins and losses about the marketing attributes been used and how it has driven sales all that information is reused every quarter you can actually build it every month every few weeks if you wanted to and you would be able to discover new things which may be driving success in your company and the the, the fact that we have a platform the platform automatically does it without the help of an of a, a, a software engineer a modeling guy allows you to benefit from the innovations which you are now doing um to you know to out uh, you know outwit your competition and use that very effectively and now actually percolate it through your entire sales process and we do that because our software is and en- enables us to pick those thick signals up that's one of the things you end up when you relearn from your information keeps you up to date and consistent with all the other changes which is happening in your company I hope I answered the question well. <laughs> yeah, you know, you answered the question. It's it's it uh, it's like anything with with and this this itself, you know, what you're doing with DX Continuum represents with the predictive analytics moving into sales. As you said, should be a a part of the sales stack. Every company's sales stacks are certain Good. size company sales stack. Um, it's like anything. People have to use, learn how to use it and and use it in a way that that um, really improves the effectiveness of, of their sales their sales process. And, you know, but one of the problems that we see sometimes now with, with sales technologies that are coming in that the too many managers get wedded to the metrics and sort of get, you know, this, they can't see the forest for the tree syndrome. And what happens is they then get stuck in processes that, yeah, they can measure the heck out of them. And, uh, yeah, they've got a lot of data, but, they're not evolving it the way they need to evolve it as quickly as they need to evolve it to respond to the needs of the customer. So um, great tools if managers are not getting lost in them. To, uh, uh, you know, ameliorate the problem by actually having the entire uh, di- uh, digitalization of the insights we provide directly in the CRM which the, cus- the customers are used to. So if you are used to a CRM from Salesforce or Oracle or whichever whatever your CRM of choice, you don't nearly change the process in which you're working. This becomes addendum uh, Complementary to what your existing sales process, and only helps you understand what you're doing already well, and ensure that same thing is being done repeatedly. So that's has been our way of taking a platform and converting that into a solution, and helping the sell, uh, you know, take the solution to the to the customer to the user base, right. user, user community. Community. So uh, it is very different from a you know modeling uh, engineering perspective. It's all about business outcomes. Right. No, I think, and you have to see a shift there. Yeah, that shift has to happen in the in the in the in the technology world, the solutions world. Yeah, and this this type of of gathering of data and and providing the analytics back to the sales team is, as you said, is just absolutely the the wave of the future, and information that reps should want to have. So, I guess the question would be is is or who's your ideal client profile? What are the types of companies that you deal with? I yes. So we have had success primarily today in the high tech world, B two B sales processes. So that's where we had an initial you know foothold and the beachhead which we have established. Do un- believe that you know this is uh, you know th- this is being used 
uh, can be used in a B2B2C setting. Uh, there is some amount of uh, of this being already used in a B2C setting when like companies like Amazons and EBS in the world are already using it. They're, they're primarily driven around recommendations and upsell and cross-sell. Um, so uh, that's, but the, the, the B2B segment is the one one where which will probably uh, you know uh, value this most because that's where the processes are and can benefit from the data which they're collecting and which they're probably not using really looking to look forward they're only using it to look backward when they do a QBR or something like something like that to understand what happened rather than understand what they should be doing now to better going to meet their KPIs for the quarter for the year. Okay. Um... And the sort of company size, number of sales reps. So, uh, ideally, uh, the company should have about you know, fifty million plus in new revenues, uh, fifty plus sales reps in the in the organization. That's when you know you have enough pain and need to uh, to instruments uh, a way in which you can actually now start thinking about the dollars spent for generating a dollar of revenue and that's the that's what that's the number which is slowly increasing the amount of money being spent on marketing is uh, some marketing dollars the amount of revenue coming in for the same dollar is actually decreasing year over year and if that's a number which can become interesting for from a, from a CFO's perspective it will usually be in a company which is at least you know 50 to 100 million dollars in new revenue or revenue coming in and growing at a very fast clip. And obviously, it, any other bigger companies, like a billion-dollar size companies, are always a good target for us or okay. for this kind of relative tool. Great. All right, so we're going to move into the last segment of the show where I've got some standard questions sure. to ask all my guests. And the first one's a hypothetical scenario where you, Debu, have just been hired uh-huh. as a new sales vice president at a company whose sales have stalled out. And they want to get the CEO wants them to turn around and get unstuck. So, what two things would you do your first week on the job that could have the biggest impact? Um, so, I I didn't want to do a shameless plug of my software, but we actually are offering a product, uh, uh, this thing called Funnel Vision. It's basically taking my tool, which I a product which I built out. I would take that. Go and look at the CRM information which is there, and identify what are my factors which are driving my wins and losses. So if I don't understand what in my sales process works and what doesn't work, and there's there's absolutely no way I can come up with a 60, 90, 180 day plan to turn the sales uh, in team around. Okay, and that can be done quantitatively, and we actually do that for companies who just hired sales uh, uh, leader, and we can deliver that in two weeks. So you really talked about something which you are offering as a product right now from our company. Hmm. Completely. So I would eat my own dog food. <laughs> yes, yeah, completely unintentional. I would eat my own dog food and I would do the use this because there's nothing better than that. Okay. All right. You well, understand what has happened. Uh, fair answer. Fair answer. All right. So I got some other sort of rapid fire questions for you. The first one is: sure. When you personally, you Debu, are out selling, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Um, and getting the trust from my prospective customer or buyer, because we are a small company, you know, we deliver the goods we promise, 
but earning the trust is is the only way I can get to new prospects to become a long time partner and a valued customer of ours. Okay. So who's your sales role model? Sales role model. Um, you know, I have worked in Oracle for a long time. Like my first, uh, major, my major part of my career have been with Oracle 15 years. I think Larry Ellison is probably the best sales role model. Uh, all said and done, whatever he has said, maybe he hasn't been able to sell immediately, but has really happened, like given enough time and space mm-hmm. uh, and down the road. So to me, Larry is my best sales model. Although he, he, he would say he's a CTO now, but he really sells his company well. Okay. Good answer. What's uh, one book every salesperson should read? I am not a salesperson by training. I am a software person and come from engineering background. But one per book I would recommend a salesperson to read is definitely Michael Lewis's Moneyball. You know, it is the the the, the, it's the art of winning at the unfair game. And sales is sometimes unfair, right? You have so much competition. So you really need to understand what Moneyball was all about and how Oakland Ace became a reasonably good uh, profit-making company uh, uh, organization, uh, you will be able to, um, you, you know, understand this. Uh, uh, you know, you will be used, able to use predictive analytics from a strategic and a tactical point of view. Yeah, no, it's certainly, if you're looking at a <laughs> sort of role model for using predictive analytics in a sales context, that's a good book to, good book to read. Absolutely. Uh, so, last question is: is what what music's on your playlist these days? Given my Indian background, I am a big fan of uh, of Shreya Ghoshal, and she sings. She does playback singing for lots of Hindi uh, movies, Bollywood movies, and her you know repert- uh, her you know collection of the music is my current favorite of music to listen to. Oh, interesting. Okay, you're going to have to, when we're done, you're going to have to email me her name so I get it correctly on the website. Um, sure, I will do that. <laughs> that'd be great. So, well, good. Well, Debu, thanks for joining me. Uh, tell folks how they can find out more about you. Uh, we can be reached at uh, through our website, www.dxcontinuum.com. D stands for 500, 500 times continuously. Or you can reach me at debu, D-E-B-U, at dxcontinuum.com or at info.dxcontinuum.com. All right, very good. Well, again, thank you for being on the show. You're welcome. And remember, friends. My pleasure. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that is to make this podcast accelerate a part of your daily routine, whether you listen on your commute, in the gym, or as part of your morning sales meeting. That way, you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Debu Chatterjee, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guests, visit my website at andypaul.com. 